Hey, Tyler, what's up? Hey, how man, doing? how are you? I'm Big good. Red Bears. Big Red Bears. <laughs> really? My God. Yeah. When, I know. Uh, that's uh, when Sasha said you were a Cornell grad. I was like, all right, I'm in. I don't care. I'm in. Yeah, right? So, you yeah. got to stick together. Yeah, we got to stick together. I saw that. I was like, look at Ty, Ty, Ty over here. <laughs> man, you are so hilarious. You're like, I love your humor. It's like dry, but it's also like, a, you know, I'm, it's over, over the top. And then your inspirations and the people you look up to from Chris Rock to Dave, Dave Chappelle. Um, it's so cool because like those are people I love to watch, including, you know, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, a lot of those guys as well. But I was like, this guy is hilarious. I was like, this is only this is definitely a Cornelian. You're definitely a Cornelian. You know, you got that, 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 that. that street humor, but you live in, you know, you used to that Ithaca world. So <laughs> No, so no, it's so it's funny. Yeah, because it's so it's so true. Like, uh. There's a we're a certain breed, the the Cornell, the Cornell people. We've we've gone through the the harshest winters mankind can know. So, you know, just with that, it makes you shapes you, you know. <laughs> right, it does shape you. And like, you know, and people don't really understand how beautiful that college campus is with those walking trails and those gorges going through the, you know, the, the waterfalls and the campus. It's like, where do we I mean like what was like a whimsical avatar experience, so to speak? <laughs> oh, for sure, totally. And, you, and your studies, you, you know, I was IRLari. So, what was your studies there? You you were in media studies, right? Yeah, media studies. So I was on so, the so I played. I was on the soccer team. Um. So yeah. So I was uh, I was the captain of the soccer team, and did media studies. But my entire I did media studies because I always did film growing up, and I was like, I really want to stay in film. But uh, in reality, I really wanted to play professional soccer. I mean, that was that was the that was the dream, and I got um. So after my senior year, we went like, I think 17 and one and something. We're like fifth in the country. We won Ivy League championship. We were like really, you know, we had like five or six guys that were like looking to go pro. And so I was like, okay, let's go. Did the whole pro thing, went to a bunch of combines and then was about to like sign on to a team in upstate New York. So I played a little bit with the Rochester Rhinos, tried to get catch on there. And then went to the Syracuse Silver Knights, which is indoor pro. And then right when I was like, the season was about to start snap my ankle that was it career over so like kind of got the dream the pro sports dream for a second but it was so short-lived that like it caused me to kind of scramble because i was like still at cornell when i broke my when i shattered my ankle i was still living in ithaca uh, with one of my ex-teammates who was also playing professional soccer so i was kind of in ithaca i my job was pro soccer but now my job was nothing and it was definitely a scramble for like five years to be like okay i'm gonna coach i'm gonna become a personal trainer i'm gonna do all these things and i just couldn't figure out what it was I wanted to do. Um, and then uh, start doing project management when I moved back to Philadelphia. I was like, I guess I'll do this, you know, because I was kind of risk adverse, you know, I mean, like, you know, and you are someone who's an entrepreneur and then started something and, you know, it's a risk. So I was kind of risk adverse. I was like, I had this dream. It was taken from me. I got injured. I don't want to have a dream ever again. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like that. So I, I kind of did the more traditional route. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just, I didn't really like my day to day. And so the content creation became like a creative outlet. And it wasn't until I kind of had some really good people around me, you know, kind of being like, you can do this, like you can make this a career. And so I put my notice in, moved to LA and tried to make a run at it. So it's, it was, it was super like convoluted, but yeah, it was media studies because I knew I wanted to fall back into it, but the plan was to fall into it after my soccer career. So I thought I had some time to figure it out uh and so when that time became instantaneous i was like ah crap so it took a second 
can you um can you break it down to people? Because I don't think people really understand like how intense the Ivy League program at Cornell is. It's a Division One school. My roommate was on the basketball team. People don't really understand that. Hold on one second. There's a siren in the background. I don't know if you can hear that. Oh yeah, no worries. Life in the Bronx. I feel you. <laughs> but um, yeah, so basically, you know, you guys have tutors, you know, they fly you out, they bus you places. You got to get up at three o'clock in the morning to be somewhere else. It's just crazy. You're taking full classes. You, you know, it's a rigorous, you know, a rigorous program, a rigorous athletic program. And then on top of that, you have your scholar program, your scholastic program, which is where you, you're at an Ivy League school. Like how intense was that for you, you know, um, juggling the, the academics with the with athleticism? Honestly, I think it was like balance of sports and such a, like you said, such a rigorous education is probably biggest thing I got out of it. Like, I mean, to be, there's not one class that taught me more than that, you know, understanding like, Hey, you are going to have the same normal, I think it was 15 credits, right? So five classes, you know, two, three classes a week, all this, you know, and obviously, you know, how midterms were and finals were, where they were completely, you know, overwhelming, but at the same time, you have full-time job doing sports, right? So you have, you have game film for a couple hours, you have practice for a couple hours, you lose two nights, three nights a week for games. So, you know, you have to travel. Okay. We're going to play Brown. It's a six hour bus ride. You go play Brown. You stay overnight. You wake up, do a walkthrough. You go play uh, the game. You come back at night, Sunday, like Sunday morning, 2 a.m. And now you have all your work to do the weekend for that weekend, but you also have practice on Sunday. You have to do game film on Sunday. You have to do a walk, like another walkthrough. You have to do game on Tuesday. So it was very much like you had to compartmentalize your time perfectly, or you just were never going to get by. And so I think that now working for myself, doing content creation, where again, like I don't have a boss per se. Like I can say, you know what, I'm not going to post today. But you do that one too many times. You, you know, this falls apart. So I think that what I learned from Cornell more than anything is that work-life balance, like understand that like, okay, I have this time set aside for like classes. I have three hours here. So that's going to be homework time because then I have to go to a lift and then I got to do a practice. So, so that's the biggest thing I gained from it because, you know, the actual information I pulled in from a lot of these, these classes weren't as relevant as just that life lesson uh, was. And before I forget, your last name is Reagan. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's Regan, R-E-G-I-N. Regan, Regan, see, I Regan. knew it, I knew it. Yeah. I was, I was hoping you was like, you know, some, some president's like grandson or something. <laughs> nah, I wish, that'd be dope. If I was if I was the president's grandson, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be something. You're gonna, you're Not that cool. A medal, medal of entertainment. Yeah, right? right? Right. That's so cool that you broke it down like that because you're talking about time management and being punctual. And those are all the things we need in our everyday lives to succeed you know, especially in the entrepreneurial space. And um, you have to also realize, and I'm sure you you have at one point, like, I'm not your average, you know, Tyler, you know? And I'm sure you were th- thinking to yourself, like, not only am I, you know, I'm like an athletic star, I'm also a scholastic star. And I've been very blessed that I have an opportunity to pick and choose what I want to do when I want to do it. And if it comes a little earlier, I still can do it. I have that as an opportunity. How does that feel? Like, how did that feel? Because you, you, a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people don't have that. Like, you have, you, you still can be a sports announcer. You still can be anything you want to do in that world. You could be a physical therapist. You could be a freaking coach. You could do it. We're not talking about Little League. You could be like a, a, you know, you could be, you already know. Like, there's some real possibilities and opportunities for you. But how does that feel? Because you have to realize that 
that's a big thing for you. Like you, you know, that's not going to fall back on. You have opportunities. You have a network of people at your beck and call, including myself, that are here for you. When we find out you're a Canadian, it's like, oh, you know, we descend on you with our claws. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I try not to think about it, honestly, because I kind of look, I like to treat life like I have a plan A and no plan B, because I feel like that's the only way to do something. That being said, when I was making the decision to leave my project management job, which, you know, was a decent salary, it was it was like I didn't have to like I could make a career out of that and plenty of people do. And it could have been great. I would say Cornell gave me the privilege of being able to take a chance because if I had tried and failed and this was something that I spoke to my parents about at length when they were like, you know, you're going to quit your job, move to L.A. And again, they were very supportive. They were very open to the idea. But they're like, do you think you're like, you know, what do you think? Are you going to be utilizing your education? And I actually use it more than I ever expected to. But one of my main points was my education is what's allowing me to take this chance because I do have that network and I do have that uh, kind of that knowledge that I gained from Cornell. So I think Cornell gave me so much uh, confidence to try and potentially fail, um, which I think is is a really big thing um, for with any uh, you know college education. You have you have this fallback of that network. You have this fallback of that degree where like you can take a chance and you can try something. And worst case scenario, you still have this education to fall back on and this and this degree to fall back on. So I do think that I kind of looked at it that way. Um, but then, like I said, I use what I learned at Cornell a lot more than I even expected to in this uh, space. So it, it kind of was twofold. And then you already started in a career path with a, a trajectory where I know and I've met people who are making millions of dollars in the project management space. Like logistics and project management is a lot of what I do on a day-to-day basis. But I never, you know, you're doing it all the time. You don't even know that you're doing a, you know, you're doing it. It's like, what the? You know, I put together small yeah. teams all the time, but you, you, you learn how to do that. And then you start working in that career path. Like, can you break down what a project manager actually does? Um, what, what to expect when they first graduate from college and the earnings potential? For project management, mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, if you have a decent background in it, I mean, you can, there are major companies that look for project managers starting salary 60,000, 65,000. That's starting. You can get up to 70, 75 pretty quick. You can get way into the six figures within five years. I mean, th- there is a lot of earning potential in the project management space. And obviously it depends. Project management is a very vague term because you're a project manager in an engineering project, it's going to pay differently than a project manager in another space. So it really, the cool thing about project management is you can do say, hey, I really like organizing teams and being that team leader, but I also am really excited about this particular more drilled in specific topic. And therefore I can be a project manager for that type of thing. And so, you know, like I said, like, while it wasn't for me, there's a lot of really um, great openings and potential openings that are in that project management space. And, you know, I've had producers, I've had, you know, when I'm on set and I have camera guys and actors and stuff like that, like I'm a project manager at that moment. Right. You, so, so I still use it. And I still think that, you know, learning uh, the, at least the basics of how to run and manage a group uh, with different group dynamics and with different personalities is such a key component to, to, just surviving in any industry, even if it's not project manager, even if you're just part of a team, it's just good to have that information and it's good to have that knowledge. I'm really happy that I actually did it, even though it didn't end up being my end all be all goal. 
Yeah, I think that is very apparent when I click my phone over or I took my smart device and I put it onto Google Classic and I see that, really? It's like, Tyler, you have like infinite amount of projects. It's so, it's crazy. It's like a sea abyss of like, funny skits and they're human they're humorous and they're they tap on universality you know globalization and what's going on in the marketplace and it's like and then it's like you're from philly and it's like where did this guy get this energy from it's like you have such an urban like you look like you're from the suburbs but it's like no 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 like tell me, let me go let me see what this background is about like can you tell us about how, how, what was it like growing up as tyler regan because i'm like he got a little you got a little edge you know you get a little black on you or something like <laughs> Because, you know, you're funny as shit. I mean, you'd be like, your B-likes are so funny. If anyone's ever seen his B-likes, I mean, we've all seen you on TikTok. I love TikTok because they shadow ban you a little bit. They'll throttle you down. But it's like, when you got an account on TikTok, you don't know what the kind of account you have. Because it's the sky's the limit on TikTok a lot of times. Um, and I've seen you. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love this guy. Like, I never knew half the shit about you that I know now. And I'm, like, so happy for you because... You, you're just transcending. You just keep on transcending. And tra- you're like a phoenix, you, you know, phoenix, you're, you know, you're never going to fall. Yeah, it's just so, it, but it's like, how did you, where'd you get this little edge from? Because you have this little, you know, this little cool kid thing going on. It's like, you know, you're a nerd, but you're like a cool nerd. Like, which, how did, who gave you this information? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep going. No, I'm loving it. No, uh, no, I appreciate all that. I mean, so when it comes to, so growing up in Philly, I mean, I played basketball and soccer. Those are the two things. I grew up playing basketball in the inner city. That's where I might, and I was very ingrained uh, from a pretty young age uh, with at least seeing, you know, because I, I did grow up in Philly, but I lived on the outskirts of Philly. It was still within Philadelphia, but it was certainly not like inner city. All of my friends playing basketball they were, they were in the, the thick of it. They were in center city. They were in different neighborhoods in Philly. So I got to see kind of every walk of life from a very young age. And also my parents, props to them. They, you know, they took me to different countries, different cities, different. I got to see every kind of person growing up. And it was, you know, it was instilled on in me uh, at a very young age for my parents. Like, Hey, you are lucky that we get to do all this. You are lucky that you are going, that you have, uh, you know, you want to do a film class and we're able to say, yeah, I was in third grade. My, my first film class or first grade, I did my first film class. They're like, that is privilege that you get to do that. Like, that is something that you, that you don't, that you need to understand, like, don't live in a bubble, understand that that is something that you're lucky to have. And I think they did such a good job. And for me and my sisters to understand, you know, we were living in a privileged life. Um, and I think that as I grew up, I still had to see it for myself and learn it for myself. And I had to get to a place where I am now, where I am fully aware of everything uh, that, you know, my upbringing, my, the color of my skin, my gender, like all these things like do create like a world that's specific to me, just like a different person walking down the street, they have a different reality. And so when I started making content for a while, I wanted to kind of just be an escape for the people watching me. And it was like, you know what? I'm not going to touch on political topics. I'm not going to touch on social topics because everyone's talking about it and I want to be an escape. And then I want to say around 2018, uh, you know, shit started happening in the world. You know, there was a, you know, 2018, 2019, you know, 
Trump becoming president. And then in 2020, George Floyd, I remember being a very distinct thing where I was like, I need to comment on this. And I feel like my hand was almost forced where I was like, staying silent is just as bad as actually doing the actions. Like you need to, like, uh, like the lines have been drawn. You need to choose a side. And staying silent is you're choosing this side. And I was like, I'm not on this side. So, so on one hand, I felt uh, that unfortunately the, the landscape of our country and the world forced me to kind of be more specific about my opinions on things. Um, that being said, I still want to make sure that, you know, not every video is trying to preach. Not every video is trying to make a point because some things can just be funny. Um, but you know, I think that pointing out, you know, and this is a lot going back to Dave Chappelle, going back to Chris Rock, like pointing out truth can be funny. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are uh, making a joke about something because it's not a big deal. I think that you make a joke about something because a lot of the shit is just like traumatic. And like, this is how certain people deal with stuff. So I think that you know, it's been a bit of a journey to figure out the right way to find my voice and the right way to uh, even understand and wrap my head around my own like place in the world, being a straight white male, like coming from uh, a decent upbringing, having a two a two parent home. Like, so I think that, you know, throughout life, I've been trying to figure out how do I understand this? not try to understand where everyone else is coming from per se, not trying to be like, I get it because you don't get it. You know, no one understands someone else's reality, but, um, but still having a very open mind to, uh, to just understand, almost understand that you don't understand it, you know, and, and being okay with them, being okay that don't get it. And that, you know, just because I find something funny and this person doesn't find it funny, doesn't mean they're wrong. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm wrong. Uh, it's all in the approach. It's all in how you, it's, it's a respect thing. I, I really think it, it all, it all at the end of the day, it goes down to a respect thing. Um, and I, and I get that really from starting from my parents. Wow. That's awesome that you acknowledge that. Um, and speaking of which like Cornell is, of the, you know, it's a school at first, you know, Ezra Cornell, um, you know, it's just their background ethnically and as a founder and then Cornell having such amazing uh, history within the African-American fraternal organizations like Alpha Phi Alpha, which I'm a member of. Nice. Shout, out. <laughs> Shout out to my Alpha chapter brothers. There you go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and I was the president of the Black and Latino Greek Council and I worked with the Dean of Students and I also worked Panhellenic president of that, that council and the senior class, senior class gift committee. Were you a part of the leadership of the school as well? Because I feel like your energy is like, you kind of on, you know, you're like, I'm like, were you a mover and shaker when you were doing that? <laughs> Honestly, so at, at Cornell, the only leadership committee I was in was I was the captain of the soccer team. That was my leadership committee. I wasn't, we weren't even allowed to be part of a fraternity. It was a team role. I, I wish, I mean, it's, it's not a regret per se, but I wish I got more involved with some other things. It's just... I, the time did not exist. Uh, but yeah, so the, the leadership, uh, the leadership committee I was on was, was the soccer team, you know, and that was, that was, that was it. Fair enough. And you know, that's a lot of leadership involved. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, for you sure. Know, trying, to lead, trying to lead a team of guys that everybody's, you know, chasing after, especially right now with the whole world cup being such a, a you know, magnanimous event. Um, what's your, um, 
I was going to ask you just to roll back a little bit, but I had to ask you that question for everyone who loves sports. But at the same time, I wanted to ask you, do you recall the time that you first landed in a new environment with your parents when you guys traveled abroad? Do you remember, do you remember how old you were and what was the first thing you smelled? So the, the, the absolute first international trip I can think of was France. I was maybe, they might yell at me for being wrong about this, seven, maybe? I'm going to say seven. Uh, it's a ballpark. Um, and I smelled cigarette smoke, <laughs> like immediately. I remember, and I remember it because I, my mom said, this is the city of what, guys? And it's Paris is the city of lights. And I said, the city of smoking and that was my that was my response because that's that and i distinctly remember that i don't, don't know exactly how old i was but i'll have to i'll have to confirm i was i was like maybe seven or eight like i was young wow i'm, I'm over here just laughing because you're so funny <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean you know i grew up in detroit and just my first smell was when i get when i came to new york <laughs> I feel like New York was one of the first international cultural cities that I came up to that, that I embraced. And what I remember when I had moved here at 22 was a smell of piss and urine in the train station and seeing all those rats. That's, I was that's like, New York. Ah, that's you know, New York. I was like, those rats are, I was like, are those cats? I mean, at first I went up to one of the rats and I was like, give me a little baby. You know, because the yeah. rats are so cute and cuddly. It's, you know, some of them on the west, you know, west side or the village area can be kind of cute. When you get a little, uh, you know, when you get a little higher up and things, they get a little smaller, I feel. But they, they getting fed downtown. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they get fed. My sister lives in Brooklyn and she has on her street. There's some there's some raccoon sized rats. <laughs> they, get, they get big. They get huge. So, okay, so you grew up in Philly, you grew up around basketball, you grew up in sports, that explains the cool kid jock side of you, and then you went to Cornell, so get it, you're smart, you know how to put together teams, you well-traveled, culture, had a passport when you were seven, and now fast forward to this new sensation on TikTok that be like, like, how did you come up with this concept, be like, it's like, you're so stupid, I'll be like laughing, because it's like, just like the driest humor, but it's like your Karens, your um, Cheesecake Factory, so true, Cheesecake Factory, it's like, come on, Cheesecake Factory, you know, I'm ordering, I'm ordering from the, um, from the bar menu for happy hour, and you still taking three hours, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep, but, but I like, mean, yeah, I don't know, yeah, I feel like, uh, like, so, the, the dry humor definitely comes from, so I watched, a lot of those comedians that, like I said, but I also watched a lot of Monty Python. So it was a British humor and British humor is inherently a lot more dry. Um, so I think that that's where that kind of combination comes from. Uh, a lot of Monty Python uh, being very, very dry kind of subtle humor. Um, so that's, I feel like a big player in that kind of weird combination that you spoke of. And then in terms of the actual videos, I mean, some videos, I always say like some videos come really easily and I'm like, I have an experience. I'm like, that was weird. Let me write a script about that. And then there's sometimes that I'm like, you know, I just, I kind of have to think. I'm like, all right, what am I going to do a video about today? Like, I feel like I've done every company. Is there another company that, and I had to rack my brain and be like, where have I gone lately? Um, but I found that like, if you're constantly on the lookout for just absurdity in everyday scenarios, you'll find it. I mean, we live in an absurd world. So like, I feel like, you know, if you just, it, it's 
changed my brain a little. It's like how I look at everything and realize like things that we every day deal with, you know, a lot of them are nuts. A lot of them are absurd and they just have become normal. And so I like poking fun. It doesn't mean like, you know, I make Cheesecake Factory video making fun of Cheesecake Factory. I still go to Cheesecake Factory. I like Cheesecake Factory. It's good. Like, I mean, it's not like poking fun is like, I'm, I don't like it or I'm negative about it. Most of the things I talk about, I like. There's one or two things, but you'll, you can tell with the tone. Like if I really don't like something, the tone is slightly different. Like it's a little bit more cutting. Um, and you see that with like some of the videos about like workplace life, right? Like the maternity leave videos, like where I'm like, hey, maternity leave laws are messed up. Like they, they suck, they need to be better. Like you can watch that video and go, okay, he actually feels this way. You know, same thing with some of the ones when it comes to um, current events and injustices and stuff like that. Like you can tell the tone is slightly different than when I'm talking about Taco Bell. Like it just, you know, cause I make a Taco Bell video. I like Taco Bell, There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, so I do think that finding absurdity and things that you like is super fun. Like being like, wow, I really like this, but wow, it's a weird concept if you think about it. Like, you know, so that's super fun to just kind of go around and live your life and try to understand how weird our existence can be, you know, especially just corporate wise. <laughs>